Chit chats, Kit Kats. Who's at my front door? I did hear a little ding-a-ling. And who have I got? Lo and behold, it's Bob Spencer. Hello, Rick. How you doing, Bob? Uh, I'm well, buddy. How are you? That's, I'm, going, I'm going good, mate. Good. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. You must, have been, uh, you must be a sucker for punishment. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem I have, but yeah. <laughs> mate, um... I'm going to pick up from where we left off last time. We had a good old chat. If anybody's um, keen on a bit of Bob's history, we, we started off with the old Finch days and talked mm -hmm. about Skyhawks and the Angels. We kind of ran out of battery and we didn't get to talk about um, Roast Tattoo, which is Bob's current gig. Bob, how did that come about? I, I take it you've known the guys for a while? Yeah, uh, I've known Angry since... Uh, oh. I was about 15 or 16 and he used to come and see Finch in Sydney. I'd met him previously in Melbourne when he was with Buster Brown. Um, I, I just met him, you know, we didn't, we didn't become instant friends. I was what, 15 and he was 25, okay. quite an age, quite an age difference back then. At that age, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then a year later, he was living or so, he was living in Sydney and he was coming to see Finch. And um, this is well before there was a rose tattoo. So the, the band didn't actually exist, except maybe in the minds of Pete Wells and Angry. You know, as, as you're probably aware, uh, Pete started the band and, um, you know, it was, was his band. Um, so, and I had also known Pete because Finch used to support Buffalo in the old days. So Angry came along to a gig in Sydney at the Coogee Bay Hotel upstairs. It was called Back of the Moon. Maybe it was downstairs. And this is exactly what he said to me. Robert, I want you to join my band. And I said, I'm already in a band. No. Um, and that's how we came to be friends. And we kept in contact over the years. And um, we'd seen each other many, many times, either at gigs or socially. Um, uh, I used to go to Barbie's at his place quite regularly. And we used to catch up. And um, we've, we've been friends for a, a very long, a very long time. Um, and we used to do the phone catch up every, I don't know, every few months, just random. I'd done some corporate gigs for him. He'd done some corporate gigs for me. I'd helped out Rose Tattoo a long while ago. I wasn't in the band, but I helped them out for a little while. Um, so one day he called and I, I was out having coffee, walking the dog, and I saw it was angry, so I thought, oh, I'll answer that. And I thought it was going to be um, one of our regular catch-up calls. Hey, Angry, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm okay. So what's going on? And he said something like, well, I'm going to put Rose Tattoo back on the road. Cool. And I thought, yeah, and that's lovely. Um I, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I thought, yeah, well, you know, you own the band. You can do whatever you like. Um, 
there had been a number of uh, incarnations of rose tattoo over the years, some better than others. Um, I hadn't really, I hadn't thought about being in the band. And so I thought, this is a bit weird. Why is he telling me he's going to put the rose tattoo back on the road? And then he said, oh, and I want you to be in the band. Oh, cool. oh, okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. I'd never really entertained the idea of being in rose tattoo. Well, other than we all see ourselves being in, you know, The Who or Led Zeppelin occasionally. But other than that, I'd never really put much thought into it. And here he was asking me seriously if I'd like to be in Rose Tattoo. So I asked a few questions about what the plan was um, and who was looking after the plan because especially at my age, just joining a band because it has a name, um, that's not enough, basically. Yeah. Um, when you're 16 or 17, it's, it's, it's fabulous, but not when you're 62. So I asked about uh, some things around how he saw the band happening and what he, what he saw happening and who else was going to be in the band. Um, and I said, yeah, well, that, that ticks some boxes. So, oh, and of course you're going to pay me thousands of dollars a night. I missed that bit. Um, not, uh, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. Cool. So that, that's a bit of a long winded story, but there is a, you know, there's 45 years or something of friendship whatever before so how, before how long ago was that mate how long how long have you been playing in roast tattoo now i i think that was three years ago okay i'm not good at this yeah business of years and yep. yeah i can remember walking the little puppy and what coffee i was drinking and where i was sitting uh where the sun was coming from but i have no idea what year it was um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was three years ago. Uh, Rose tattoo fans were, you know, it's like Angels fans when I get something wrong. Yeah. They let. They let. Oh, really? Oh, so, sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was that? Uh, I know Rose tattoo opened for Guns and Roses when they came out here. Were you on that tour? Or was that after that? No, uh, I wasn't. Um, oh. Uh, I don't remember when that was. Um, I remember the tour. Oh, that was like 93 or 94, something like that. Uh, the Angels had already opened for Guns N' Roses a few years before that. Cool. Was it ni 1989? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we hung out with them in LA and whatever. Um so I think Rose Tattoo did that gig in the early 90s, yes. And then a, a band, whether it was called Rose Tattoo or whether it was called Angry Anderson, I'm not sure, because that all got a little bit confusing for me, yep. um, also opened for Slash. Cool. Um, a, a few years ago, again, uh, I don't know the, the numbers, but someone will correct me. Yeah, yeah. 
But there, there was confusion for a, a while. Sometimes Angry had a band which he called Rose Tattoo, and sometimes he had a band which he's allowed to do, of course. He owns the trademark. Yep. Um, and sometimes it was called Angry Anderson. And there were many, many, many floating members, um, which I thought was maybe not the best way to go about things. Okay, okay. So who's in the current lineup of Roast Tattoo? I have no idea. Oh, okay. It's a... um, no, 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 I don't. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, the, the last drummer that we had play, we've had three drummers. Yep. All of them have been really great. We had John Watson and... Um, then we had young Mr. Barnes. Yep, Jackie Barnes. And Jackie Barnes, who's a great drummer um, and really easy to get along with. Jackie, he's so very, yeah, very well-traveled and he knows how to conduct himself. It was great. Um, and the latest drummer, beautiful man from Newcastle, Noriki, Justin, okay. uh, who, who not only is a truly wonderful, beautiful drummer, but he can wipe the floor with all of us singing, playing guitar, playing bass. I'm sure if you gave him a Tibetan nose flute tomorrow, he'd be playing concerts with it next week. Yeah. It's just very, very naturally gifted. Now, I don't often say that about people, but no, Ricky is gifted. And he's, he's one of the most lovely souls I've ever known. And that's oh, sorry. The gig. Well, yeah. Well, and yeah. there would be a number of reasons that you might get a gig in a band like this. Um, uh, what we see being in the band is we have certain criteria, I guess, the criteria that people outside the band have is different. It's quite often different. So now Ricky is the current drummer. Di Pritchard has been playing slide for, I think, 16 years. And he's, he's no slouch on slide, but my God, he's a tremendous guitar player, like regular tuning guitar. Um, really knows his stuff. Great teacher. Um, and he's also a killer singer and songwriter. Nariki is also a sensational songwriter. And on bass, since my time, has been Mark Evans. Cool, cool. I'm just being told by Jason McNamara that my mic needs to be turned up. How's that, Jason? I just actually brought it a little closer to me, mate. Uh, I didn't want to get into distortion land. Uh, and I'll just give it a little bump there. Mate, we've got a few people watching now. I'm well aware there's a bit of a, a Bob Spencer fan club. I was talking to uh, to my friend Dave Leslie last night, and he said he played a show with you recently, and um, that your side of the stage was the Bob Spencer fan club. And I do apologise to those to those fans of yours if we get a bit techy. This is a guitar nerd channel, so. It is, you know, and I I'm a member of I'm a card carrying, paid up member of the Dave Leslie fan club. I think David is one of our supreme talents and a lovely human being. I love David. David, if you're watching. 
Nice one. Mate, I'm just going to check. Yeah. Oh, my levels are a bit down today, aren't they? What's going on here? I got the right mic turned on? Yo, yo, yo. I, I can definitely do this. Yep. Okay, that's fine. I did move some things around uh, the other day. So, uh, how's that, boys? You're a bit better there. I don't want to go into the red. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Yep. That looks a bit better. I'll keep going. These guys will let me know. I don't want to clip it. Yeah. So, mate, uh, has the gear changed when you went to uh, to Rose Tattoo? Did did you have to bring any different artillery, or do you just stick to your go tos? Well, I got off the phone with Angry, and I'm getting echo. Hello. Hello. It's, it's, I'm just like the edge in you too. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sing one note for the entire song. So sorry. <laughs> well this is the danger of live isn't it um uh it's better it's that's better, better now okay yeah. okay okay so um i got off the phone from angry and the first phone call i made was to ivan who makes my amplifiers who lives mm -hmm. in Gos gosford so if you need a beautiful amplifier made ivan richards in gosford so the first phone call, I called Ivan and I said, you know that amplifier that we've been talking about building for a couple of years? And he said, yeah. And I said, now, now is the reason to build the amplifier. Then I called my partner and I let her know that I was playing with Rose Tattoo. But the first phone call was, the, was to Ivan Richards, um, letting him know to go to go ahead with the new amplifier. So he built me... Um, an amp that was kind of loosely based on Doug Ford's Marshall Major. Uh, Doug Ford, as you know, is my hero from the Master's Apprentices. And we built, Ivan built, uh, an amp tribute to Doug Ford. And that's the amp that I've been using for Rose Tattoo. I used that for a little while, a, a year or so, and then I bought the Axe 3, and I used that for the remainder of my TATS time. Cool, cool. So thanks for the heads up, guys. I am just ho hooking up some, uh, some headphones, so it's good to have some friends watching, letting me know. I've got to say, Rick, it's quite entertaining watching you run around from here. I'm sorry, mate, I, I couldn't quite hear that. You're highly entertaining running around plugging things in. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's killed any issues I had. I, I've, I've done this successfully without any headphones recently. and um, Yeah. Like we say, it's the danger. People like it's that, It is. It is. On so the, the city of pets. The amplifier I used for the first year in Rose Tattoo was made by Ivan Richards, and it's based on a Marshall Major. Now, I don't like Marshall amplifiers at all. The Marshall Major is quite different from all the other Marshalls made. So for any geeks out there, it has an ultra-linear output stage, um, and that provides the amplifier with quite a different tone. It's also very, very clean. Um, if I run the, the volume, it only has one volume control, of course, uh, and if I run the volume control close to full and have my guitar on full, and pick lightly it's almost dead clean 
Cool. So it's a very clean amplifier. Puts out about 60 or 70 watts. Two KT88 output valves. But the important part is it's ultra-linear. Nice, nice. So if any geeks are out there, they're ultra-linear. <laughs> um, it just provides for a, a much cleaner tone. It's what audiophiles use in their um, uh, setups. You know, audio geeks? Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's that, guys? I've just got a few people there. I've, I've just played with those levels a bit. I think we got it sus now, mate. I'll just get a, an okay. Feel free to let me know, folks. Bob, I texted you the other day. You're just talking about guitar sounds. And uh, yeah. you, you sent me a copy of your album. I did. The album called Saints and Murderers and Available Now. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Mate, my jaw dropped. I quite literally went to take a photo of myself because I, I realized as, I was, as it came in that I was going, what? Wow. Wow. This guy gets it. And I was so surprised when I asked you just before who mixed it that you did it yourself. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, mixed the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how, how did you gain that experience uh, as, as a mixer? Well, I've, I've always been interested in audio, and I clearly remember my first experiences in a studio with Finch and harassing the engineers. What's, what's going on there? Why are you doing that? What does that do? Why is that plugged into that? What is this thing here? How does that sound? It was I was just terrible. Yep. So I've always been interested in audio. Um, and so that started when I was very young. And all through the, the Finch and the Skyhooks recordings, I, um, you know, I observed. Why is that happening? What's mm-hmm. going on over there? You know, why does that sound different from that? all that sort of stuff. Now, after Skyhooks, I um, I actually worked as a recording engineer full-time. Um, for my Sorry, it wasn't full-time, nine to five, five days a week, but that was my primary source of income for a couple of years, working as a recording engineer on analog and learning by getting so many things wrong. Um it was a fantastic learning experience. And, and by the time the angels came along, uh, I was able to be more directly involved with um, the recording. of. I didn't, I didn't poke my nose in what was going on with the other people so much, but I, I was very much hands-on when it came to recording my own guitar. Um, so I've always been interested in sound i I, i'm quite obsessed about it actually i it takes up far too much of my time so i've always been engineer always i've been engineering for years i've been mixing for years and when it came time for my album um i thought well i can't afford chad blake (laughs) who's my my favorite engineer yeah so i'll do it myself it's the same reason. I, it's a similar reason why I sang on the album. I didn't want to sing on it. I never had any intention to be a singer. Um, I, I had wanted to record with a Melbourne singer, Laura Davidson, who's wonderful and an, an adorable girl, and that just didn't pan out. Um, not because we don't get along. We do. We get along very, very well. But other other things happened, and she wasn't able to record. So. I sang on the album, um, 
it's the same with the engineering. Cool. Uh, cool. I, I didn't I didn't have a, much of a budget. Um, I have good audio equipment at home. So I did it myself. Well, mate, you did a brilliant job. I'm actually going to play a little clip of one of your songs. We'll just have a listen to a verse and chorus just to give people a feel for the guitar sounds and just overall production, man. I was so impressed. So um, I loaded one up there. I'm going to press a button. I haven't checked this today. Hopefully it works. If not, <laughs> that's live, isn't it? I can't hear it. Seriously, that guitar sound. Are you able to talk us through how you got that? Um, sure. Um, that was uh, my cheap Tokai Chinese SG Junior with a single Chris Kinman P90. Nice. Clean the clean version. Uh, I don't like high output pickups, and that was just straight into my little Richards. Uh, amplifier. That's it. Um, and there, there's no speaker mic'd on that. That's a, a yeah. That's a, an impulse response of an Altec 417. Nice speaker. And what do you use to host the impulse responses? Oh, there are a variety of loaders. Um, either the Poolin or the SIR or the Cab Lab or you know whatever. Cool. I, I don't. I can't hear a difference in tone. I know that's that's come a long way now that people are using impulse responses. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to always religiously mic things. Going, man, these other speaker simulators out there just don't sound the same. They just mm. don't sit in the mix the same. But when I started using speaker IRs, it's like this is it. I actually yeah. had uh, Guillaume from Two Notes on a, a week or two ago. Oh yeah, wants, wants to know about. Um, Speaker box, uh, speaker, impulse responses and oh. load boxes. Man, he he's set the benchmark uh, on that stuff, and he went into great detail about all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about what you, which microphone and everything, but there's no point. It's all that. There's no point. Um, I had I had built myself over the years a number of uh, isolation 
boxes to hold to hold one 10 or 12 inch speaker and they always weighed you know 100 or more kilos uh, floating box within box um, but I found that it became redundant with the IRs that I have um, I I don't it's interesting I, I like IRs in the virtual world mm-hmm. as, as I like those speakers in the virtual world and and the opposite speakers that I don't really like in the real world I don't really like as IRs either I'm not really a fan of Celestians I, I for the most part um, so I tend not to use their IRs uh, there's a lot of very EQ'd Altec 417 on that album. Cool, cool. Uh, there's all, there's also a reason. Um, there's also, but you have to EQ it. If you just leave it flat, it doesn't sit in the mix. Mm-hmm. It sounds great by itself, but it doesn't sit in the mix. It's all about sitting in context so that everybody has a spot. Mm-hmm. It's all about that. So yep. for me... Um, if I change the snare sound, the guitar sound changes. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's all about trying to get things to fit together. It's not about trying to get a good guitar sound. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, well, I mean it is, but it, it's. But there's no point in having a good guitar sound in isolation. And it's like anything in life, you know. It's everything in life is the same. Things need to fit with the other things around it. Things need to work in context. So right. I work very hard to get things to work in context. And if that requires me to EQ the crap out of stuff, then I do. I don't I don't care about having anything flat. I couldn't care less. Yeah. And I don't have any rules when it comes to mixing. That's that's a something that I did nick from Chad Blake when I watch his videos. Um it's almost like it's almost like he forgets what he does from day to day. He just asks himself, "What does this need?" And that's what I'll do. So when it comes to getting either vocal sounds or drum sounds or guitar sounds or whatever, um, I have I might have some rough tools that I use at the time, but I don't enforce. Um, for example, I, I watched some mixing videos with some Americans, other Americans, who say, well, I always do this to the snare. And I think, well, what if the snare's different? That's not going to work, is it? You know, Oh, no, I always do that. I always do this. And it turns out I don't like their mixes anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I ask myself what's going to work in the track I've had a lot of comments about the guitar sound in My Wife Will Kill Me, uh, which is lovely. Uh, a, a big thing for me is don't get rid of the mid-range. It's all about the mid-range. Don't worry about the bottom end. You know, The, the bottom end is going to get taken care of by the bass and the kick drum. Yep, yep. Don't, don't do this bottom end on the guitar thing. It, 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 totally, um, totally. It, it, when when an amp distorts with a lot of bottom end, it t- tends to sound fizzy, which seems to be, you know, counterintuitive. Bottom sounding fizzy, but if there's too much bass 
in the beginning of the amp, um, uh, then it just translates to fizz, you know, at the output stage. So don't go for too much bottom end is my advice and stick with things that are mid-ranging. Mm. Um, not a lot of guitar players like to do that. And I've asked myself why over the years. And I, I, I think there are a few reasons. Um, when you're playing by yourself, it's more impressive to have a, a, a scoop sound. And I think it's also to get, get away with um, less accurate playing. Yeah, if your sure. sound is good, and I'm I'm very conscious of playing in time. I mean, I'm I also consciously play either before or after the beat, but I I do that because I'm mean to do it, and I I still work on my timing after all these years. Yeah, yeah. I think that's got a lot to do with it. It's not just the tone; it's how you approach the instrument, how you play. The knobs are not going to do everything for you. Certainly, they help, mm-hmm. but if your playing is messy, you're not going to get a distinct guitar sound, no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, remember from the last session, I actually grabbed a little snippet because I said that is absolute gold. You've just put that into rhythm words. Playing. That rhythm playing. Again, oh. mate, right at the start here, you've just touched on some brilliant advice that echoes my thoughts on everything. Mm. I, I don't know about you, but um, when I'm mixing, everything's very visual in my mind. Um, and the mid-range on a good guitar sound, um, Mm. it's like there's, you got the speaker, and you know when you open your mouth, you got the little dangly bit? Yep. The mid-range, when you get that right, that's there hanging down just in front of the speaker to me. I'm sure everybody visualizes differently. Yeah. But that's what I heard, And, and as well, bass was the last thing that I... That, that fell into place for me in terms of mixing. That's a really hard thing to get right. Most people just have way too much lower mids or extreme lows that they don't need. As soon as yours mm-hmm. came on, that was, and, and the bass kicked in, I really mm-hmm. noticed how well that gelled with the kick drum and then oh. with the low end of the guitar, it was just, just right. And you touched on it before about listening to other instruments. What I do when I'm yeah. mixing some things is I might be EQing a guitar or a bass, but I'm listening to the other instruments when they start to reveal themselves and you just yeah. stop. Don't go any yeah. further. That's it. I yeah. really nailed it on there. Um, and even if, even if the instrument that you're working on sounds shite by itself, that's irrelevant. It only has to work in the mix. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, I work hard on all that. Um, I'm, I'm not terribly happy with the bass sound on that because i i had the wrong bass at the time i have a better bass now wow um, well that the bass sound really impressed me oh okay thank yeah, you yeah thank i you. do have a question there from my friend big fella link he's saying question for bob yeah. humbucker slash p90 or single coil i see some guitars with buckers and p90s does he have a go-to uh, setup uh p90 p90s yep yeah, and I, I have a variety of P90s. I, I use the Chris Kinman Noiseless. I have P90 by Mr. Fabulous. I have P90s by Mick Briley. And I also have a P90 coming, maybe today, by Dave Ledden. Um, they're all Australian. Yep, yep. Um, but I, I, 
I've loved P90 since I was very young. There's yeah. something about there's something about the directness of a P90 as opposed to the slight sloppiness of a humbucker. And I love humbuckers too. It's not it's not you don't you don't have to love and hate. Yep. You know. Yep. Uh, there's something about that directness of a P90. Yep. It does this. Whereas a, a humbucker does this. And there's and that's fine too. You know, there are lots of great guitar players who've played humbuckers. It's this is not an issue to fight over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do, do you find that uh, depending on the other guitar player that you're playing with in a band, if it's a two two guitar band, your decisions change based on that? Oh, yeah. I know, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, it does. So um, it does. And with Rose Tattoo, I used uh, my two guitars by Les at 68 guitars and one as Mick Riley humbuckers and one as P90s. Um, and it changes the way I perceive die. Cool. So not only does it change my tone, but it changes the way I perceive other instruments. Mm-hmm. And it's not good or bad. It's just whatever fits, you think yep. fits. Yeah. Mate, um, in terms of studio gear, like you said you've got a bit of gear lying around. Yeah. Any, any choice pieces that you want to mention that you find vital to your workflows? Uh, uh, I, I've well, I have a beautiful interface, the RME UFX interface. Yep. Um, it's very steady. Sounds terrific. Even the mic pre's in it sound wonderful. Um, so that's everything centers around the, I guess the, the RME. Other than that. Um, my recording software for 24 years or something has been Samplitude. Really? Yeah, um, recording and mixing. Yep. Lately, I've, lately, I've been looking at Reaper just mm-hmm. to get my head around Reaper. Yep. Um, so Samplitude or Reaper. Um, and I love plugins by Kush Audio and SliFi. Cool. I think they're my favorite plugins uh, they do wonderful saturation plugins and really good compressors and eqs um i that have a lot of color yep. T- to my ears they have color yep um uh, i wouldn't use them for sculpting like really accurate things but i'd use them i use them for color all the time and i, I love distortion on everything me too so i put distortion on everything uh on the same the uh, so I, I might be the Sound Toys Decapitator or Little Radiator or one of the Kush Audio plugins. Uh, um, they have a plugin called Push, which is really good. Um, I love distortion, so I, I use I use a lot of parallel processing. That was my next I question. Use, yeah, I use tons yeah. of parallel processing. Yeah. So on a drum kit, I will have two or three um, orgs buses of different compression and I might have two or three different distortions and I'll send different things to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of parallel processing. I may not use lots of it when I mix, but it's under there. And I I use a lot of parallel processing on on vocal, mainly because I I hate my voice. So um, I'll have 
at least a couple of different colours of compressors and uh, and two or three different types of distortion uh, all in parallel that I put to try and make my vocals sound better. Yeah. But that was going to be my question when you mentioned saturation because yeah. um, a friend of mine that I've done a lot of records for over the years, when she was living in the UK and she was touring as a backing vocalist and rhythm guitarist for Sinead O'Connor for many years, but she'd always come back to me for to do her albums. She was doing some recording overseas and she said, it just doesn't sound like the stuff you do. What do you do? And I said, I put distortion on everything. And yeah. she thought I was joking. She's like, ah, ha, 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 you don't want to give away your tricks. I'm like, no, I just gave away my trick. I put distortion yeah. on everything. Yeah. Um, or different levels different of... Different types. Yeah, of, of compression, like you said. Yeah. Um, did you learn this kind of thing from working with guys like you know, Terry Manning and that, or is this something you stumbled on yourself? No, the, the first time I came across it was, was Steve Brown recording The Angels. Yeah, right. And uh, he, he did the rough mixes for the album which I thought were fantastic, but he didn't want to mix the album. Um, so he did what we used to call board mixes, B-O-A-R, not B-O-R-E-D. Um, and he pulled a really great drum sound. And I said, you know, I, I was watching what was going on, um, but I missed this. I, what are you doing? And he said, oh, that's just parallel compression. What's that? Um, so he said, well, I've just done this to the room mics. Um, and I was just blown away. So ever since then, I've been using parallel compression on everything. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> everything. So if people aren't aware of what we're talking about with, with parallel compression, it's taking a split rather than like when you use a guitar pedal and you plug into it and then you go into another pedal pedal that's series it's like you've got a splitter box and you're running through two different ones at the same time and getting a blend between the two and the yeah. beauty of that with compression is that um i don't want to tame my peaks i'm quite happy with my dynamics being yeah. loud and soft what i do want to do is turn up the low parts and bring things apparently closer without squishing it and, and yes. parallel is the key to that would you not agree i completely agree and you just touched on something else which i think is ultra important What's that, mate? and that's i did not try to make my album loud mm -hmm. so i wanted peaks and valleys yep. i wanted things to get louder and softer and although i can master myself i have beautiful grover notting speakers and you know great monitoring um by that stage i was so swimming in the album that I couldn't possibly master it. So I went to Martin Pullum in Melbourne and my instruction to Martin when he was mastering it was don't do anything. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's good. So, so which is obviously a, you know, not, uh, not being 100% serious, but what I was asking him to do was keep the peaks and the valleys in the dynamics. I did not want a loud album. I have no interest in being as loud as Metallica. Mm. If it's not loud enough, turn the volume control exactly. up. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I definitely wanted things to go up and down in volume. Yep. Um, and he, he was really good at that. We kept it very, very true to my mixes. Yep. Um, 
there are some mastering engineers who, well, I know what they do, and it's just unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wanted the peaks and valleys. So that I found that that's another thing I think is really important. It's tempting to squash everything. And, and you can squash everything even with um, parallel processing, right, mm -hmm. if, you, if you go too far. Um, it's tempting to squash stuff because when you squash something, it, it sort of sounds more impressive. But when you take a step back from the mix and, and listen to it, just just listen to the mix, it's, it's not as romantic. I think the squashing everything makes things less romantic and less attractive. When there are dynamics in the mix, to me, it does come over here. I've Absolutely. got something to play with. Absolutely. You know? yeah. um, whereas when something's squashed, it's like, you know, no matter where you go, I'm stuck to your forehead. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like albums. I've been very disappointed. There's so many albums I've bought over the years with great songs on them. And they've been so compressed that I never listened to the album more it's, than once. It's fatiguing. It's fatiguing it's, to the ears. It's so it's so fatiguing. Yeah. So and, I, and it's, I, I used to work. Uh, I got my start in um, working in radio. I was a, a producer uh, at. Um, there's a place on the coast here that actually had two radio stations out of there. So I was at the, the Gold Coast Radio Centre, which I was doing production for <laughs> CFM and Gold FM. And yeah. I can remember asking one of the the head tech guys there one day um i said you've got different compressors going on um gold fm to cfm don't you oh. and he said oh i've been waiting a long time for somebody to ask me about that <laughs> yes would you like yeah. to know why and i said yes uh, yeah uh, he said well cfm is aimed at a younger market who are going to listen to yes. it for shorter amounts of times and when they're searching yes. the dial they want it to be the loudest thing that's out there Bang. yep yeah well, gold fm yeah. is more a bit more easy listening and people yeah. tend to have that on all day, and we don't want to fatigue yes. them and have it just turn into a constant in the background, yeah. but rather yeah. um, have you know, just those little spikes and valleys you talked about. Yeah. Which, which brings me to, to when, when I'm mixing, and I, I just want to ask you if you're the same, I mix at stupidly low volumes. Stupidly uh, low volumes. Unfortunately, my tinnitus <laughs> doesn't allow that. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. I'm a bit the same. Uh, I, I, I tend to run through volumes. Yep. Um, so I'll go from quite soft to reasonably loud. I don't mix at what I consider to be very loud levels, and I don't listen to music. I know that anyone who stood in front of my amplifiers would disagree, mm -hmm. but I, I tend not to listen to music at loud volumes. I don't like it loud. Um, so I go from kind of quiet to reasonably loud. Um, I would love to have the discipline um, to use something like the K system and, you know, the same volume all the time, but I, I'm, I'm not disciplined enough, I don't think. Sure. And I have two sets of Grover Nottings. I have a, a little, the, the ones that look like the old-fashioned Oritones. Mm-hmm. And I have the code fours, um, and I I will switch between them. I don't constantly switch between them because I lose my point of reference, mm -hmm. but I do switch occasionally yep. between yep. them. So reasonable volume. But I, I something else I've got to personally be careful of 
is that I, if I can get carried away with base and bottom end. Sure. So and, are you using a sub to, to compensate for that? To, to no, right? no, 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 no sub because um, Frank Hinton, who designed the the Grover Nottings, um, explained to me the dangers of phase issues with subs. Uh, um, and he said it's just not worth it. Um, so no subs. But okay. my, my monitors do go down to, it's either 35 or 38, well, like yep. completely clean. Yep. Um, there's no weird phase distortion or anything. Sure. But I, I need to be careful because I really like bass. I, I like to hear it more than the guitar. And uh, I have, in the past, I've really destroyed mixes by having the bass so loud that nothing else is going on. So I, I have to be very careful. And take taking breaks, I think, is really important. Yes, but yes. Not mixing for two hours at a stretch, even though, even though, as you would know, sometimes you can mix and you've gone, holy shit, that's five hours, and you haven't got out of your chair. Yep. But I try and get out, um, make a cup of tea, do some exercise, get on Facebook, abuse somebody. Um, <laughs> you do that so politely. You do that so Thank politely, you. I've noticed. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but it's important to get your head out of there. Yeah. Uh, I, I find I'm, I'm now Terry Manning could mix almost all day and be very focused and very sharp. Uh, he would take a break for lunch and he might have a little morning tea or afternoon tea, but he could, he was very, very focused and he would mix at pretty much the same volume level all day, which wow. I found um, fascinating, yep. fascinating. I can't do that, but he's Terry Manning and I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to work with Chad Blake you I, I, that. I would I would love to be Chad Blake's coffee boy. Chad, if you're watching, I'll, I'll do this very cheaply. <laughs> but I would love, there's something about what he does that I find it so beautiful and romantic. Mm -hmm. There's something about what he does. It's, and you, we talked about having distortions in parallel. He's... Oh, yeah. Famous for using Sansamp on everything in parallel, yeah, which yeah, for some for some strange reason you have to flip the phase on. Um, I'm not sure if you've tried it, but that plug-in, no, yeah, you need to flip uh, the phase if you're going to use it. I'm not sure if you've encountered that. The Nembrini plug-in? No, the Sansamp. The oh, PS, no, PS1, PSA1, I think it is. Yeah, PSA1. I'm using the, I think the company's called Nembrini. Nembrini? Yeah. I'm using their PSA1 plug-in. It's sensational. Oh, cool. cool. Now, I've probably pronounced it wrong. You know, I get their emails and I think it says this, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it says something else. They have a PSA1 plugin that is, uh, it's what, you know, buy it. Don't yep. find the crack. Yep. Buy it. Yep. Mm. So you mentioned your tinnitus, and i got to say, I've, I, I have it pretty bad as well. I've been wearing plugs religiously since my early 20s, but unfortunately, I started playing pub gigs at 14 with the double Marshall stack and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have got a little pair of Altec lensings beside me here that I check my top end on because it's a little bit more exaggerated just to make sure I've got that right. Right. Tinnitus, is that, 
a big issue for you in everyday life as you get older? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I sometimes struggle to hear people or smile inappropriately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things I've misheard. Yeah. It is a problem. Um, I haven't got to the hearing aids, hearing aids stage, uh, but it is a problem. It, it's it, it's a problem when people are speaking with me quietly and we're talking about something sensitive and they, they shouldn't be shouting and, and I sometimes can't hear them, often can't hear them properly. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't bother me. Um, right at the very beginning, I heard stories about people being almost suicidal, uh, which I can understand. It doesn't do that to me. My main my concern is when I'm mixing, not to have things too bright. So weirdly enough, I can still perceive treble. Yep. Uh, I don't understand it because I know my hearing rolls off almost like an old ribbon microphone, mm -hmm. uh, but I can still perceive when things are too bright. I, I don't get why I can. Yep. I've never investigated it. So even though, to reiterate, even though I know that my hearing drops off in the top end, I can still perceive a mix that's bright. Yep. And in, and in fact, um, I'm quite sensitive to, to mixes that are bright between, say, you know, 12 or 15K, even though I probably can't hear that. Yeah. But I'm yeah. sensitive to it. So my concern is when I'm mixing, that my mixes aren't too bright. Have you ever tried a hearing aid? Because I did recently. I did some work for a, um, a, a hearing company, which I realized as soon as I joined, it was like fucking the Kmart of hearing in Australia. Right. Uh, I, I won't mention their names, but out of all the people that I met at the company, I, they'd sent me around different stores. I quit after two weeks. I met one right. chap who was um, the audiologist. He was South African guy. And we sat down, we, we, we spoke and, Got along famously, he, 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 after an hour of talking to him, he said, you know, when do you start your studies? And I said, what do you mean? He said, audiology, you, you know more about it than these other buffoons working here. Mm. He actually did the test for me and then gave me the, to try what it's like. And they talk about the whole lifting the blanket off the speaker. It, it was very much like that. And it was like, oh, oh. shit, I'm too young for, for that. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's not something I'm, I'm afraid of. Um, right. Quincy Jones wears, wears hearing aids. Um, right. The chap who does, who did the sound for Titanic and um, Avatar and stuff, he's profoundly deaf and wears hearing aids, but he's aware of it, so he right. wears them. While I was there, I was conducting tests for people, and I had a friend that I saw. He was over here on on um, on tour from Switzerland, and he, he saw me outside the shop, and he came in. We gave him a hearing test. And he was a bit apprehensive about it, and man, when we got his chart, he whew, from you know, a lot of people we start losing from you know ten or as you get older down you know four k or something, from about two k down, man, he was just nothing, and it was like, uh, are you aware of this? And he kind of was like, yeah, people say that to me all the time. Right. And yeah, it is one of those dangers, isn't it? I can't emphasize enough to people to get mm. good set of molded plugs. Do, do you wear earplugs when you play live? Yeah, I do. do? Um, and uh, sometimes I forget. You know, I get so carried away in the first song that I forget and oh. Uh, but lately I've taken to wearing in-ear monitoring with Rose Tattoo. Okay. And that is just the best. Yeah. So uh, I, 
because I can have the drums right there. It's all about hearing the drums for yep. me. Yep. Um, so I have the drums in my face. They don't need to be loud, but they're right there. And obviously my guitar, and it's right there. And then a little bit of those other people in the band. But it's really about um, <laughs> the drums. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you add ambience to your guitar? Because the only times I've tried in ears... I, yeah. I, I can't play because I think I'm fucking up, but everyone's going, no, oh, man, you're playing, you're playing right. I'm apologizing going, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm not on tonight. Uh, and they go, no, that's no, fine. Right. That, now, that that's a very interesting question. Um, I have, I don't need to add am, ambience, but I'm going to mm-hmm. next next time we tour. Yep. I'll have just a little bit of room in, in uh, room reverb for people listening. Um, I'll put a little bit of a, room reverb on 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 mine yeah yeah um just to make it a little bit happier it's not because my playing is out of time but just to make it so a bit more of a smile on my face mm-hmm. you know uh but in-ear monitoring is it's just it's incredible it's angry is now using it yeah which is like quite a shock but having tried for years to get him to use it um uh, that's that's changed things for him. So I, I strongly suggest in ear monitoring. It it is quite um, quite sad when I I do meet some guys that you, that have been veteran rockers and they are stone deaf, and right. I've heard like Clapton can't tour anymore. He's he's profoundly yeah. deaf. Pete Townsend mm. famously, uh, Paul mm. Gilbert you know can't play live without his earmuffs on. Can't, um, yeah. The one thing I have found with wearing earplugs is it doesn't cut out the bass. And my bass player friend, some, I've had to go to him sometimes and like, dude, I've got earplugs in and it's still distorting my head. Do you mind turning oh, down? Yeah, because, well, because it's making your bones rattle, mm. the bottom mm. end. Yeah. Um, that's also a problem with bass players, though. Um, um, bass players who play with severely dipped lower mids, yep. uh, again, doing that thing where they want to be perceived as having a big bass sound it doesn't work you can't dip all the low mids out of the bass and expect to be heard you can you can dip all the low mids and expect to become a rumble Mm -hmm. that's fine if your band needs a rumble but if your band needs to hear the 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 bass clearly then you can't dip all that low mid stuff out absolutely um so i i find that can be a problem with uh weight and look, I know that any bass players listening in it are going to be thinking, "What about the bloody guitar players?" Yeah, I, I get it. I yep. get it. This yep. is, it's not a it's not an either or thing. Yeah, there is a question there from Cliff Gold. He's asking if there's any latency with in-ear monitors. Have you had any issues with latency? It's imperceptible. Hmm. There would, uh, there is probably what a millisecond. Yeah. So if, if it's Cliff, yep. Cliff, if you if you're listening still. Um, to put this into perspective, one millisecond of latency equates in the real world to a distance of one foot, pretty much. Yeah. So one millisecond, one foot. Yeah. So in, in other words, uh, a, 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 an additional delay of one millisecond means that you've stepped back from the source one foot. 
And if you can tell that man, good luck to you. I don't know anyone on the planet who can perceive uh, a difference of one millisecond. I've heard people wank on way too much about specs and things like that. I was my, I was going to say something about the Fractal Forum, um, which is a disaster for this sort of talk, yeah. and I tend not to get involved with it. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, uh, although I, I just sold my, my axe, uh, I was on the forum every day, and sometimes, you know, you just have to not get involved in silly talk. Um, uh, and one of the one of the silliest threads I, I read was uh, people claiming that someone like Steve Vai or one of those players could hear the difference in two milliseconds or no. something. It's like, no, the no. guy's totally having no. one. Totally 30, 30 milliseconds. 30 milliseconds is where the human ear starts. It's perceptible. Yeah. Yeah. It's perceptible. I, I, would, I would suggest it's a little lower than that, but not two. Yeah. Yeah, Do, not to. Is there any other, you know, rules of uh, rules out there that people say are the law that, through experience, you've just gone that is a load of shit? Because there is a lot of that out there, isn't there? Oh, as far as recording guitars, mm. um, a lot of guitar players think that you need a big amp to get a big sound, mm. and that's just not true. Um, uh, as we mentioned, I think last time. Uh, Pretty much all the recording I did with um, the Angels was a, an amplifier this big. Um, so that's one mis... I'm not suggesting you shouldn't use big amplifiers. If that's what turns you on, then that's what you should use. But a big amplifier does not record bigger than a small amplifier. And um, loud does not e equate to a big tone either. I've heard many guitar players in my 50 years of playing... Uh, who have been very loud, but their tone was like a mosquito. Mm -hmm. you know, the tone wasn't fat. So fat tone does not necessarily come from a loud amplifier. It could, but it doesn't. It, you can't take it for granted that loud is fat. It's not. It's the same with singers. There are many singers who produce uh, a really big tone, but they don't sing loud. Exactly, yeah. A lot of metal guys, uh, it's not as loud as you think. They're, not as loud. they're swallowing that mic to get that volume, but it's actually mm. quite yeah. quiet. Now, yeah. we, we talked about parallel compression and the like earlier. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. tried running a, a multi-amp setup to, so I that do. you could get a, a blend of, I'll get my I low do. end from this cab? and. Uh, I, I, all right. Now, this is another very interesting topic. Yeah. I do. Yep. So... Uh, I run, uh, in the case of my my solo album, Saints and Murderers. <laughs> Where can we get that, Bob? Where can we get that? <laughs> oh, my website, bobspencer.com.au. Bam. Um, so that is two amplifiers, amplifiers made by Ivan Richards. I have, I always run one, which I consider to be my main guitar sound then i always record another one that's just cleaner than i would use and i blend those 
but I blend them not only for the bottom end and the top end, I blend them for the weird phase issues that I get. Uh-huh. Now, I rang Ivan about phase issues two weeks ago, and he said, that's years worth of study to understand. So things are not simply in phase or out of phase. They can be out of phase by a matter of degrees. So I don't know whether we're going to lose listeners at this point, but I have a a great interest in blending amplifiers where they're not really in phase and they're not completely out of phase. There's just something weird going on. And I, I get my faders to where I like the weirdness. Yep. And there are phase shifts that happen within pedals. So if I have one amplifier with this pedal in front of it and another amplifier with this pedal in front of it, then manipulating the pedal controls changes the phase relationships of the amplifiers. And I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by that. So there's a lot of two amplifiers on my album, but it's not necessarily for bottoms and tops. Yep. It, it's often for that the weird gnarly. Absolutely. There's a really there's a there's a, a song on the album called Relentless, which has got this totally gnarly guitar sound, and that's a result of having, I think, two fuzz boxes on two different fuzz boxes on two different amps. And the way the sound is just totally screwed up. Yeah. I'm you, fascinated by that. Do you find, you mentioned before about having different gains. Do you find that's a, a yeah. really common thing that people use way too much gain? Some oh, people yeah. will jump on my rig and they'll go, oh, dude, you got like a boost or something. It's not, it's not distorted enough. And I just like, yeah, hit it harder, man. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most guitar players, for, this is a, totally my opinion, play with far too much gain. Um, there are a few, um, a, f- a few, um, the repercussions are that it's difficult to place that guitar in the mix because it just sounds like a bee in a bottle yep. and it's difficult to place it in the mix. You lose the transient response. You lose that initial transient of the note, which means that you'll blur your uh, your playing becomes blurred to the listener. Um, so I try and err on the side of less gain than I think rather than more gain. More gain just leads to blurriness. I don't like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think the benchmark for rhythm guitar is Malcolm Young, and mm-hmm. his sound just isn't that distorted. I hear guys going to play ACDC and they trying to use like a van halen type sound it's like dude that's no can you not you can't that? you can't get the space between the notes if there's that much saturation hmm. to get the space you need things to stop when you stop them not yeah. to carry on for half an hour yeah. uh my benchmark i guess i have a couple one is pete townsend mm-hmm. um and the other is les hall from the ted mulberry game oh cool uh, and also Mark Tinson from uh, Newcastle. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I think um, you mentioned him last time, actually. Prob- probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. So yeah, people who play with a, a reasonably clean sound, not not dirty. I, I love Malcolm Young's sound. 
uh, I think it's great for ACDC. Um, so my, my favourite rhythm players do play reasonably clean. I think it's very important. If, I don't know how you can achieve a groove when the notes are constantly rolling on and blurring. It, the groove is... You have to have the stops in the sound to have a groove. Yeah, you can't have things sustaining forever if you want things to groove. So the clean stuff, Malcolm, Les Hall, Mark Kinson, Pete Townsend, um, even Phil Key from Band of Light, who played a, a Telecaster into a Fender 300 PS, dead clean. I love that. Yep. Yep. I find it hard. I find it challenging to play really clean. Yep. But, but I try to play cleaner rather than dirtier. Yep. You know, I was talking to, to Dave Friedman in, a, in an interview last week, and he was talking about Eddie Van Halen. And these days I'm hearing that people that work with Ed say that he just wants more gain, more gain, more gain. But mm. it was brought up that back in his early days, um, I think Dave said he saw an interview, and he was playing an amp clean, but mm. when he was playing the classic Van Halen stuff, it still sounded the same. Like all that strength is in his fingers. He's not yeah. trying to make up for it with amp gain. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's one yeah. of those things, isn't it? Like people trying to cover something. Yeah, you, can't, you, yeah, you shouldn't. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say you shouldn't. But if you want to be heard, see, what's the point of your playing? Do you want to be heard or not? Hmm. And... It seems to me some people are kind of making a conscious decision to not be heard. Well, why bother? I want to be heard. And the way to achieve a sound that is is able to be placed in the mix is to play a, maybe a little bit cleaner than you thought. Yep. That way you'll get heard. If you want someone to say you're a great guitar player, then you need to be heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. So mid-range, slightly cleaner. Yep. Slightly cleaner than what? Slightly cleaner than what I hear out there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I hear a lot of mush, and I, I don't like it. Speaking of, of wanky things that people harp on about, um, true bypass. Oh, I couldn't care less. Yeah, same. Uh, I know that's a big buzz thing on the internet, and a lot of manufacturers have to have the, yeah, we're true bypass. But then when you talk to guys like Josh from JS, JSS Pedals, mm. he actually really likes the buffer that's in boss pedals and if you're you going go. to be using a, a, a rig where you've got your pedals on the floor and you've got big cable runs you want that buffer absolutely yeah. and when i when i was using cables with uh oh whether it's with rose tattoo or raw brit my the fun band that i had in melbourne um i used to use uh, a michael ibrahim mi audio boost and buff Michael's on the show next I, week, actually. Michael is a freaking genius mm -hmm. and a, and a lo lovely guy. And I need to go and have coffee with him. He's he's fantastic. I love the guy. Yep. Um, he does beautiful work. So regarding buffers, I um, I use a buffer and I use Michael's Boost and Buff. It's nice. a fantastic piece of kit. Okay. I would strongly suggest using uh, a a buffer, a good quality. I'm sure there are lots of great buffers out there. Yep. Mike, Michael's is my favourite. Okay. Uh, I will ask him about that. You actually mentioned him last time and mm -hmm. the, you triggered it in my head. It was like, 
oh, I've been meaning to, to get Michael on and I reached out to him and he was, he was more than happy to come on. Mm. Do you ever use wireless? Yeah, um, I did for the, the last two years of Rose Tattoo. Mm. Um, I've been using a Shure QLXD4 wireless, um, which I'm going to sell because I'm probably not going to tour for another eight or nine months. It's just sitting here doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really good piece of kit. Now, we tried all the wireless that I could get my hands on, and uh, this is the one that sounds like, to my ears, like a really high-quality cable, which is not what everybody wants, by the way, mm-hmm. but at least it sounded like a really high-quality cable. So the QLXD4, it's a rack-mounted, it's not cheap, but it is fantastic sure sure i think the, the cost of wireless has come down considerably Relatively. like back in the in the 90s i can remember to get a decent system was a, a lot of money but now you know like the line six and stuff is very affordable for people boss even yeah. have them and the, the the new ones that have the transmitter is actually a jack that plugs directly into your guitar i'm not sure if you've seen those but that that uh, the whole it's one unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen those. I yeah. thought that looked ridiculous when I first saw those, uh, until oh. I tried one. I actually won one at a, at a clinic that right. I attended, and yeah. I've used them. I tend to use them more for small gigs because right. in a small gig, I'm going to be tripping over my leads, and it just yep. frees me up. Even around home, not being able to move in your chair yep. and not trip over. Yeah. And yeah. again, that whole thing of latency. So, oh, but that has latency, and I just think, get it's over no. yourself, man. There's no. The late, yes, there is propagation delay, right? Yep. Uh, latency, but no one can tell. It's just silly. I find with it that maybe for the first 30 seconds, I might notice just if I think about it. If I don't think about mm. it, I won't. But if I, someone says, oh, but there's latency, and I go, yeah, but not enough to, to worry. Yeah. On, honestly, the QLXD, no. Uh, we're talking about a you know, single-digit milliseconds, I would think, if that, yeah. no, no latency. Well, a big part of Angus Young's guitar sound is his wireless. Every, I'm sure everyone knows that story, right? The Shafe of Vega, yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, I had one of those for a while in Skyhooks, and I, I didn't like the way it compressed. Uh, so the Shafe of Vega has a compander in it, for those who are not familiar. The compander is two components, compressor, and then at the other end, expander, to expand what you just compressed. Uh, I'm not a fan of that sound, but if you want to sound like Angus, go right ahead. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it, uh, it works particularly well with a clean amplifier because you've got that kind of compression thing going on. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's not for me, but, you know, use whatever is fun. I think I, I had a... On Facebook yesterday, someone was asking about gear, and I said, if you're having fun, then that's what you should use. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Don't, worry about, don't worry about names on headstocks or whatever. Just if it's good for you, then use it. I think there's a lot, way too much emphasis put on that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's well, it's great for some people's businesses. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I 
I, I just don't care what the piece of equipment says. If it's doing a job that is useful to me, then that's a good piece of equipment. Yep. Speaking of, of uh, pieces of equipment, Bob, I'm looking around your room there. You've got a few little guitars lying around and stuff, mate. Do you, do you want to show us some of those? Is there any particular uh, um, instruments of note that you've used over the years there? Um. <laughs> Well, I've got, I have my guitars made by Les at 68 guitars, mm -hmm. and I, I did put them on stands. Mate, I'm going to so, let you talk for a little bit while I have a bio break, as they call it in um, gaming land, apparently. I just learnt that one this morning, so I'll, I'll be back in 30 seconds. All right, so here's... It's a very out of tune Les guitar. It's guitar number one. It has Nick Briley humbuckers. Here's another guitar by Les. And this has Mr. Fab P90s. That's a great guitar. Beautifully made. And uh over here i'm back this is the guitar that's on most of the angel stuff but it's now in open tuning cool do you use open tuning much mate uh yeah i use this b tuning just for myself i don't use it i don't use it for gigs it's just for me I'm writing at home. D sharp, and I'm, I made this 1980-something with Gerard Gillet. Cool. Um, as you can see, it's incredibly thick, but it's hollow. Mm -hmm. And currently it has two Mick Briley B90s in it. And nice. In, in normal tuning, this is the guitar that's on uh, a lot of the Angel stuff. So it's, it's called Prez, after my favourite saxophone player, Lester Young. 
Aha. Uh-huh. So if anybody uh, didn't catch Bob last time, um, mate, I thought we were in for one hell of an interview when, you know, A, there was a bit of a mix-up with Skype addresses, uh, and then when we started and I asked my first question and your first response was something along the lines of you, you're not really into the sound of the guitar, and I thought, oh, yeah. okay, here we go. <laughs> you you well, came around, though, mate. Uh, well, you know, so, sometimes it's pleasant and pleasing and attractive, and sometimes it's just rubbish. You know, what can I say? I, I'm, I'm ambivalent about it. Yeah. And back here, I, I have a, a bunch of guitars. I, I have them all hanging in their um, cases. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I have things like um, I have some Tokai SGs. Mm-hmm. I have, I think, three of those. And I have a Bernie uh, SG Custom, 1981. And I have a couple of acoustic guitars and a bass. But they're all tools, Rick. They're all tools. They are, aren't they? They are. Have you ever had like a bit of a a clear out over the years going, do I really need that many guitars? Uh, Yeah, when, look, I had a um, a very... uh, um, distressing separation uh, about 10 years ago um, and I at that stage I had about 25 guitars and um, I sold almost everything then but that, that's because I really needed to um, and uh, I haven't really built up a collection since then uh, I don't have any I don't really have any vintage instruments I have an old harmony acoustic um, from the mid fifties, which is sitting over there. Um, but other than that, I, I don't have vintage instruments, mm-hmm. just things that I can use. Yep. Yep. It's funny that cause I did have a clear out a while back. I had about 15 guitars and a trying to keep them all strung, uh, and yeah. you know, with fresh strings and everything was, was a bit of, was a, yeah. bit of a, a drama, but I yeah. looked at them one day and just went, I only used three or four of those. Um, yeah. start to build up again. And I might have to have mm. a clear out again, but um, mm. yeah, they do accumulate. But I, yeah. I'm just having a look through the, the comments there, and I'm just remembering one of the comments from last time. Somebody asked for you to talk about the mullet, as they called it, and oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. the old the old the uh, the, the plats. Because I can yeah. I can remember, yeah. man, back in the Angels, you you were a mean looking motherfucker back then. I I used to because I I didn't know you. I I, I actually yeah. didn't meet you until. I haven't met you in person. We were just yeah. talking through this and everyone tells me how much of a lovely guy you are. Um, but back then I was just starting to play guitar and I used to think, Oh, look at this mean motherfucker, man. You know, he's got the, the big shaved hair with yeah. the, the long plaits and everything. Mm. Um, yeah. I just noticed some comments there. I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about that or not. Oh, it's, um, it was just a look. Yeah. It was a very, it was very uncomfortable yeah. and it, it took a lot of maintenance, and I, I had to have those braids redone every few months, which cost a fortune. Um, but it was a look, and the funny thing is that people still talk about it now, which is thirty years later. Yeah. So I, I guess it achieved its um, intention. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was a look, you know. I, I prior to that, I had my head shaved, and. Um, that was a look. Well, back then it was very unusual. I remember my first visit to Queensland after I'd shaved my head and, and uh, people abusing me. 
Really? And, oh, yeah. And I remember in Sydney being yelled at in the street, uh, called a fascist. Me, a fascist. Um, so, yeah, back then it was unusual. Yeah. And I, I copped a fair bit of abuse. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm just looking at the comments there, and Rob.com71 is asking if you still have the blue PRS from, from the Angel days. Not sure if you touched on that when I took a bio break. No. Uh, no. Um, that was a good guitar. Um, it's a weird story. I had Paul sent me that one. Um, I like Bolt. I like the Paul Ridsmith bolt-on necks. Not, I mean, the glued ones are great, but I actually like the bolt-ons. So he sent me that to try, and I really liked it. And I said, can I have another one? So he sent me the red one, and the red one, although it was identical in terms of measurements and build, didn't sound anything like the blue one. Go figure. Uh, that The blue one was a good guitar, and sometimes I wish I'd kept it. It stayed in tune with the whammy bar, um, and that's the guitar that, does the solo on Dogs Are Talking. Cool. Not the rhythm part, but the solo. It was a good guitar. Mm. Nice. And it was pretty. (laughs) More importantly. Absolutely. absolutely. Live. It's negligible, isn't it? I mean, certain guitars feed back more than others and stuff, but you can get away with murder when you're, you're baffling people with volume, I find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the Angels played far too loud. You know, I'm, I'm, I was part of the problem. It was far too loud. Yeah. That, that's one thing I think a lot of people have to learn, that if you actually turn down on stage, they're going to put more of you into the mix out front. And that's a, that's a double-edged sword. Um, then you're at the whim of the, of the sound guy. Well, and also there's a, there's a thing that happens when there's some volume off stage. There's something happens where your guitar sound is being picked up by all the drum microphones and all the vocal microphones. There's something happens. Now, one great thing about Rose Tattoo is the sound engineer we carry with us, um, Philip Kesby, Kez, who's incredible. And he sometimes asks me to turn up because he's not getting the bloom. I call it the blossom, the blossom off stage. So I, I don't want my guitar only in the PA, unlike what some sound guys want. Uh, I want a combination. I can't give you a number, but I like that thing where there's something coming off stage as well as, as, well as what's coming through the PA. I don't want to hear – if I had a choice, I'd hear it only off stage. There's something about that sound yeah. and the way that – the sound blossoms through everything else that's on stage. Mm-hmm. There's something about that, that that can't be replicated, I don't think. Um, you know, and all the phase relationships, the timing discrepancies, mm-hmm. there's something romantic about that sound. And I don't think it's just romance. There's, you know, I, I, I think back to my days as a youth standing in front of Band of Light or the Lardy Dars or whatever, and hearing all that sound coming off stage, there's something about it. I have had the opposite experience um, mm-hmm. seeing bands. Too loud? No, 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 where they don't uh, where they don't have an onstage sound. Um, I went to yeah. see Regurgitator a few years ago uh-huh. now, not that long ago, within the last five years. They've had a bit of a reunion thing. 
Yeah. Small gig, and I was right down the front, and a lot of their sound is reliant on backing tracks from the synthesizers, etc. Right. Yeah. And they didn't have that coming out of anything facing the audience on stage. Really? So, I mean, it would have been facing them through their monitors, but right. I can remember thinking, this is kind of weird because I'm hearing your tracks coming from way out there. Right. And not from on stage. It would be really good if you guys actually had some monitors facing so the people down front can get a taste of that because it was yeah. disconnected. Oh, that's that's really unfortunate. Uh, ideally, there should be some things that look like side fill mm. that that um, will carry over to the people in the front row, mm. ideally. Mm. Um, uh, maybe they couldn't. Uh, they didn't have access to the ideal situation that night. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah. Some, something needs to hit the front row. Yeah. I, I'm, the front row I'm really picking. Like, yeah. Most people probably I understand wouldn't that. pick that. Um, oh, well, I've, I've had people at Rose Tattoo gigs stand in front of my rig, like literally they're, they're there where my hand is, yep. and abuse me for not being able to hear angry. Like, well, you're standing in front of my guitar amp, mm. you know. Mm. I can't hear him. No, you can't. That's right. You can't. And <laughs> you do know, you use a, a straight front or a uh, a, a, a tilt back? Slant. Uh, when when I use my Ivan Richards amplifier, uh, I use normally I use straights. Yeah. Yeah. Normally I've used straights. Do you find a difference yeah. in tone between the two? I can't say I've ever A-B'd them, personally. It might be something no, worth investigating. The slant hits you in, in the head a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I can't... They, they, they would have to have a different resonant frequency. Do you but, think so? But I've never... I've never been worried about it. Yeah. You know, what? If, when I tour with the Tats, it's, it's higher company. So, you know, whatever the road crew thinks look good, that, that can be the speaker box. I'm not too stressed. Yep. I, I know the last couple of times uh, baby animals have pulled through town. I mentioned Dave. Yeah. I've been friends with Dave for a long time. Um, um, he was using a – and I, I got it wrong before. I said straight front or – no, slant front or the tilt back ones. You know what I meant. Yeah. But yeah. he's using a slant front and, – and you play with him in, in the – what's it called? Yeah. Raw Brit. Raw Brit. Um, yeah. Is he still was he still using the, a slant front on its side, just using one half? That's what he was doing with baby animals the last couple of times. Yeah. Reason being, uh, to get the volume, have the slant front actually spread it a little on stage, but also yeah. keep it low so it's not going straight into the vocal mics. Yeah. Uh, um, and but still feel it rattling the old flares. Yeah, makes sense. What you do, whatever works. Um, uh, what I was doing with um, Raw Brit is using my speaker boxes, whatever they were at the time, resting back at an angle like, like that. Mm -hmm. So there's the front of the stage. Yep. And I put them on a milk crate or something yep. so that they went up into the air like that. Yep. So if I needed to hear my guitar, I could step back into the line of fire. Mm -hmm. But when I went forward, it wasn't all that loud. So the front of house guy was happy. So there'd be... Sound person's happy that you're not killing them off stage, but you're still getting some of that blossom on stage. Mm -hmm. So that's I I prefer that to a box that's just 
facing you. I prefer that. But yeah. with Ray's tattoo, um, there's so much volume going on that I it just is a box. Yeah. Um, rather, uh, unfortunately, hitting the audience in the head. Uh, one of the best live guitar sounds that I've seen in recent years uh, was John Fogarty, of all people. Yeah, and he does that too. He does that. He had his laying back facing up. But Brisbane yeah. Entertainment Centre, I usually going there knowing I'm going to be disappointed with the sound and it's more just yeah. the fact of seeing the artist. And, yeah. yeah, he had that set up and it was – I never really thought mm. of John Fogarty as a you know a great guitar player with great tone and stuff until I saw Oh, that. he is. Yeah. yeah, he is a great guitar player, and he gets a terrific tone, Absolutely. and it's not dirt, and not dirty. Yeah, 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 yeah. The speaker, the speaker box is angled back. Is is it's a great device, mate. Um, you mentioned before about using uh, lower output pickups, and that's yeah. something I clicked on as well. There's, I got my little burnt strat back there that that's been my workhorse. Yeah. Um, and that's been through many different pickups. What's in there now? You mentioned Kinman with the P90s. That's his big 90, so a P90 sound in a, in a single core size. Mm. Uh, the first pickups I put in that was the Duncan Invader, which is the highest, was then the, the highest output passive pickup you could get. Thinking, mm. yeah, that's what it's all about. And it yeah. sucked. What, what's your attraction to, to, uh, to low output pickups? Uh, clarity. Um, yep. uh... The notes are well-defined. Um, the notes are still resilient. They're still tough. But they, uh, I, can, I can hear the strings clearly in a low-output pickup. And I find the notes well-defined and articulate. And if you want more distortion, use a dirt box or turn your amp up. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't want something really hot and mushy hitting the front of my amplifier. I like it to be clear, reasonably clear there. Yep. Um, I like the articulation yep. of a low output pickup. Mm. It suits my percussive way of playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I like to think that I probably, um, and I probably get a lot of influ influence from you, but the way you describe rhythm guitar playing is very much how I get into it and that and that's what I found as well is that uh, you got to work more but mm. that's going to get you that 10% that's missing in some yeah. people's playing right yeah it is, it is harder to play with that tone than it is to play with a loose sloppy dirty tone yep. but I think the rewards are worth it yep. mm. so you would have played with a lot of players over the years both mm. in su supports uh, and like you, you mentioned Rose Tattoo playing with Slash not that long ago and stuff. Who's some guys that have really impressed you with live tones that you've seen? Um, I probably go back to my youth um, Band of Light. If, if Australians don't know who Band of Light were, I strongly suggest you, you check them out. Um, uh, Doug Ford's tone to me is just incredible, but I never saw Doug play live with um, the Master's Apprentices. Uh, I loved um, Martin Barre's tone from Jethro Tull when I saw them. Beautiful tone. Um, other tones that I've enjoyed. Les Hall. 
from TMG uh, with his Ampeg V4. Mm -hmm. Just an incredible guitar sound. Yep. There's so many, Rick. Yeah, There's there so many. There. And, yeah, and so tastes many. tastes differ as well, don't they? Yeah, you know, that's the one thing yeah. we, we talked about mixing before. And once yeah. you get to a certain level of proficiency, it, it's down to taste. Uh, yeah. I got a, a question there from my friend Big Fella Link, who's saying, "Has Bob ever used active pickups, and what your thoughts are on those?" Yeah, I did. Um, the very first pickups that were in Prez, that black guitar that's now open tuned. This is Prez. Yep. Um, the very first pickups were EMGs, um, and I didn't like them at all. Uh, so, so active pickups are passive pickups, but with active circuitry. Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't like. There's something about the the that the high impedance output. There's just something I like about that tone. And here I am saying I like a buffer. Go figure. Yeah, well, whatever works, huh? Whatever works. So yeah. I found the EMGs uh, with the preamp that it, that came with them far too hot for my liking. And they weren't as articulate as I would like. However, um, the other guitar player that played in Black Cat Moan with me, Steve Crofts, he always played a Strat with EMGs, and he always sounded fantastic. Yeah, right. So horses for courses, they don't work for me. Uh, you know, I'm just repeating what I said, but if they work for you, use them. Exactly. And, you yeah. know, it, 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 there's that old thing of the toners in the fingers. These kinds mm. of things probably matter more to the player, would you not agree? Like the person that's playing it will feel differences in it then there's going to be that tone thing i mean david gilmore yeah. when he was using the the red strap with his emgs it still sounded like david gilmore right still sounding yeah and in fact i didn't even know but he just always sounds like david gilmore with well, the classic david gilmore case is it not is um um the solo in the wall which is a les paul with p90s direct direct hmm. what a great strat sound exactly I mean, that's just classic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I don't remember where we were, Rick. Uh, so, so EMGs don't do it for me, hmm. uh, but they've certainly done it for friends of mine, uh, and they've sounded great. So, you know, I'm just saying the same thing. If if, it, if you have fun when you're playing that instrument, then play that instrument. Yeah, yeah I mean. I've got a guitar back there. If I go to just a, a shot of me, I'm not sure if you can see it. The one over, and this is all backwards, isn't it? Yeah. That guy there, you're seeing it from a different The brown camera. one? Yeah, the one on the edge there. I call it Rusty Blood. That actually uh -huh. used to be a puke yellow. It's a Richie Kotzen signature um, oh, yeah. guitar, and uh -huh. um, which I've highly modified. Uh, uh -huh. But the pickups in it are true single coils. And there's certain yeah. venues I just can't use it, just can't use yeah. it. Twin Towns down here on the Gold Coast is a classic example yeah. that when they did an overhaul of that place mm -hmm. downstairs, I, I brought it up with the sound guy and he said, yeah, there was a bit of a mess up and I just can't use that. But mm -hmm. there is a bloom, a bell-like quality about that guitar that mm -hmm. others don't. If I want 
you know, probably know what I mean. Just that blossom around the front end of the note. It goes, boom, yeah. boom. Yeah. Like a Les Paul. Yeah. We, we got into uh, glued in necks versus bolt-ons. And for me, there's more uh, of that attack uh, uh, of the front end on, on, a, on a bolt-on. And that yeah. just is the king of it. It's just, yeah. boom. It's more yeah. apparent the way it sits in a mix. If you were to play yeah. it just uh, as is, you, you won't hear it. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand too is – a lot of these differences that you're talking about, some don't really matter in the context of a mix, and there's other things yeah. that you won't hear it until it's in the context mm. of mix. Yeah. Great a story um, told to me by my old friend Stuart Fraser, Vale Stewart. Very big influence uh, on my playing too. And and a lovely, lovely man. Great guitar player. Mm-hmm. Great guitar player. Um, lovely guy. We've known it. We knew each other since we were. I talk about him in the present tense, don't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's okay. He's still with us in, in spirit. He's still with us. Yeah. Uh, he was telling me a story. He was a funny storyteller. Um, he was in London, possibly with Noise Works, but uh, many, many, many years ago. And he was given the opportunity to see. Ronnie would record, yeah, probably some Stones overdubs or something like that. Mm. So Stuart is um, gingerly sitting in the control room while Ronnie's in the recording room, trying to trying to put down a guitar part. Stuart told me that you know Ronnie picked up a guitar and played the part, and it was just rubbish. He picked up another guitar and played the same part. It's just like, like, kind of like Ronnie couldn't play, right? Yeah. Picks up another guitar, continues to pick up guitars until he picks up a guitar that all of a sudden, magically, it sounds fantastic and it sounds perfect for the track. Yep. And it sounds like Ronnie is really nailing the part. But it just had to do with Ronnie not being you know, simpatico with that guitar or that guitar and then picks up another guitar and for whatever reasons, for whatever reasons, things just all came together and Ronnie was having fun then mm-hmm. and the part worked. Yep. That, that's all that counts. Yep. And I I often do the same thing when I'm recording, um, especially when I'm recording live. I don't do this. I, I take out one guitar on tour and that's it. Um. But when I'm at home recording, or I occasionally with my other bands, I'd play what I knew to be the correct part and it just wouldn't sound right, so I'd try another guitar until it just sounded right, yep. and that's the guitar that I'd use. Mm-hmm. But not having rules is pretty important. On the other hand, you can't take six months to put down a three-minute song either. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, you need to make decisions. Yep. Uh, as you've seen, I've got um, Louis Shelton coming on on Thursday. Yes, um, yes. He lives just around the corner from here. He's he's, he's a what a what a darling of a man. He's 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 lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's come here to record, if people don't know who Louis Shelton is, Google it. You grew up listening to him play, and you just yeah. may not have realised it. I certainly oh. did. And he is just so matter of fact about mic placement and mm. that kind of thing. You know, he's throw his little fender in, in the corner and I'll, I'll be like, any particular mic you want? No, man, whatever. Any particular yeah. miking? 
Nope. And he yeah. just turns on and he starts playing and it sounds like him. It sounds and like And it's him. right for the song and right for the song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're gonna get out of the questions out there for uh, for Bob from folks watching well, before we get too far into it, because we're, we're pushing two hours already, and it seems to be the way. Yeah, it goes, it flies, oh. man. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely okay. flies. No, it's yeah. fine by me. I can, I'll keep talking to you for as long as uh, as you want, mate. Right. I'm just seeing if I've got something here that I've written down as you've been playing, as you've been talking, sorry. Um, you, you mentioned Mick Briley pickups. I haven't yeah. actually tried his, and there's been a few Aussie guys that have, have mentioned Mick. Oh, uh, Mick's great. Yeah, yeah, I'd really yeah, like to try his. He's terrific. Um yeah. Is really the people I deal with are good people. I'm not interested in trying a great product from a dickhead. Mate. I have I, there could be the best pickup in the known universe. I do not give a shit. Absolutely. If the person isn't a good human being, I don't support them. I don't use their stuff. So Ivan Richards, beautiful man. Beautiful, beautiful man. Mick is great. Yep. Fab, Mr. Pa Fabulous, great. Dave Ledden, who I've only just recently been in contact with, has been totally fantastic to do with. Yep. Um, Mick's great. And we, we talk about what sort of thing I'm after. And in all these years, I've been using Mick's pickups for... I don't know, maybe 12 years. In all these years, there might have been one set that I thought didn't work on a guitar and he just sent me another set, I think. Yeah. Maybe. I, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And uh, if he says, you know, I'd like to try blah, 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 I'm like, yeah, let's try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've been very lucky uh, in that I... I was invited to a YouTuber event last year with 15 of the top guitar YouTubers and I felt a little bit out of place um, because I was just starting out and didn't have the hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of subscribers as they all did and I didn't mm. want to try and muscle in on their videos or anything but I sat around getting to know all the CEOs and designers behind mm. the big brands and that's how I've got quite a few guys on lately and yeah. there's definitely... A gentleman's club, a, a, a good guys club, is the better word yeah. for it. Mm. They know who the good guys are, and they support each other. And if, and like you said, if you're a dickhead, I don't want to know. People won't know. Yeah, wouldn't, yeah, they, yeah. yeah it's, it's the same. Well, it's the same with you, YouTubers. Yeah. Um, there are some. Let's not go through any names, but yep. there are some people whose whose videos just annoy the shit out of me. I don't care what the product is. I will not watch it. Yeah, there are absolutely. other people who just come across as genuine and sweet. I will watch their videos. Yeah. Um, when all said and done, those things are not going to save your life. They're not going to sell you a million records. Having an original clon is not going to sell you. Well, it might sell you one more. You might get one more Spotify stream which is going to earn you 0 0.000001 of a cent, which is mm. terrific. But yeah. that stuff is not going to sell records. We used to have a joke in Skyhooks, which was no one ever bought an album because of the snare sound. Mm. 
Now, we get very consumed by the snare sound, the kick drum sound, blah, 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 and they're all very important. But really, people do not buy an album because you used a brass snare or a bubinga snare. They buy it because there's this other stuff going on. It, it appeals to them mostly romantically, sometimes, you know, the lyrics, the grooves, but it's not about, I do not give a shit that there's a clon pedal on an album. Well, for a start, I don't like them, but, um, you know, you know, I don't care. It's it's not really going to make any difference. Now, I fall into the, the same trap that I'm warning you about. I get hung up. Um, I get hung up, oh, this pedal's doing this, and when I turn, you know, I get hung up on it too, and I know that it doesn't really make a lot of difference. And here am I doing exactly what I'm warning other people not to do. Mm. It takes real discipline to go, actually, that's going to kind of work. It'll it'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, especially in this time of um, um, we're all, well, most of us are at home and I'm not earning any, you know, money. I'm going, well, I can... You know, this week I'll listen to ICs, and I actually am listening to ICs. Is I've that got—I right? don't know where that. Yeah, there you go. There's an IC. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, now, is it? You know, it's—it could be better or better or worse than the IC that's already in that pedal, or. Is no one's really going to care. It's it's like the true bypass thing. Hmm. No one cares. Yeah. On I top think, of that, I I think a lot of people actually let that get in the way and actually be an excuse for not making music or not writing a good song. Would you not agree? Yeah, and I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I suffer the same fault. Yeah. I, I, I get hung at, up on that. I worked at a music store back in the nineties, and there was another. Um, not music store, music school. And there was another guitar teacher there who would just keep coming to me with all these specs going on about, but this one has this percent total harmonic distortion and this one has this noise floor and all that. I just kept mm. saying to him, it doesn't matter, man. It yeah. does not matter. Mm. Write a song and yeah. record it however you can. Mm. Um, I mean, recording has become a lot more accessible for, for folks. My friend links in, yeah. in the chat room there and he's no engineer but he writes great mm. songs and actually the mm. last couple of things i've mixed for him he's just recorded at home using presets in logic and he'll give it to yeah. me to, to beat and shape but the technology mm. is all really good now it, it doesn't yeah. matter don't yeah. let it be an excuse yeah. huh yeah it can be a real addiction and i suffer the same yeah problem yeah. Yeah. i get i get hung up on what string gauge that is you know, and then I'm ordering different string gauges, and you know. I tried eights recently. Yeah. Because the, the whole Stevie Ray Vaughan, heavier sounds better, heavier strings. Mm. Um, and I, I had rip a case of tendonitis going for a while. I haven't played much guitar for a couple of months. I only just picked it up in recent days, and I'm trying to build the calluses back up. But mm. I, somebody gave me a set of eights, and I thought, mm. oh, this is going to be shit. It's going to sound terrible. Nah. No, it still sounded fine. I had to hit it a little differently if I was going for that thwack. Or but, or change or change your pick. Ah. 
Um, so all, all the guitar players I grew up on used eights, eight to 38. Yep. So Jan Ackerman, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, um, Tony Iommi, uh, Richie Blackmore, they all used 8 to 38s. Blackmore tuned a, ha- a whole st- step down as well with 8s. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was the only. Sorry? Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, no, yeah, I got the names no, wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Sorry. Uh, yeah. um, and th- they sounded terrific. Mm. So it's not about the string gauge. I had some hand issues about 10 years ago and I freaked out because I was using 12 to 66 in standard tuning, none of that half semitone down business yep. that Stevie Ray did. Yep. So 12 to 66 standard tuning, thinking that this was giving me a big, tough guitar sound. So I had some, I had an issue with my wrist and I totally freaked out. So I spent a couple of days with eights, eight to 38. Mm-hmm. It's important to mention the, the low yep. gauge as yep. well. Yep. 8 to 38s, and and a number of other gauges, and I recorded them all direct, same guitar, uh, into my interface, and then put, you know, amp modelling on top of them if necessary to listen to the differences. And the conclusion I came up with is that big strings do not sound bigger. Hmm. Big strings there will be a point of diminishing return and it'll end up sounding like a railway track. So a railway track is solid metal. It is not a big sound. It is a really pingy, small sound. Um, Ride cymbals. The note on a heavy ride cymbal is higher than the note on a light ride cymbal. So the heavier you go, you will get to a stage where a really heavy string actually sounds really tinny and small. Yeah, right. Because of more tension, I guess. That might have something yeah, to do with it. It's yeah, it's stiffer and stiffer and stiffer until it, until it eventually resembles a, a solid piece of metal. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. Or close to it. Um, so the, the conclusion I came up to, uh, I, I came to, and this is after having done the experiments myself, is that big strings do not sound bigger. You might feel bigger, like I did. I thought I was a tough guy using 66s on the yeah. bottom. I thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm just so tough, no one can, you know, no one can compete with this. Uh, but it was really about my ego. It wasn't really about the guitar sound. Mm-hmm. So if Santana can pull a sound and Beck and Page and all these other guys can pull a sound with 8 to 38s, you probably can too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, a, it's, a mind, it's a mindset. You yeah. might need to lower your action or raise your action or whatever, yeah. but it's not about the string gauge. It's about, it might be about how you feel when you play that gauge. So, for example, if I'm using a very light set of strings, I don't use a really heavy pick because I've built the damn thing out of tune. Yeah. Yeah. So I just that- like. I'm getting the battery low thing, and I warned you that, that I might ask you a question and, and quickly uh, put a new battery in. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was you said none of this tuned down stuff. And I did, yeah, that. Yeah, I did that for I, 20 years. I did that for 20 yeah, years. And then uh, when I went to normal, I thought, this actually sounds better at concert pitch. 
And nice. secondly, everyone goes on about um, the guitar being in the key of E. It's like, that's the, the no. For me, it's A. I'm not sure what your yeah. take is on that. I, I, don't, get... I don't even think in those terms. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I only think A equals 440. Yep. Uh, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, but I, I don't get... I don't think about the guitar being in E. I know it's easy to. And well, for you, the reference is obviously the fifth string. So you think, um, you know, the reference for you is the fifth string, so you think A, but I just, I've got to admit, I just see all six strings. As soon as I think guitar, I see all six strings. They all just appear in my head. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, but it, I, I have no problem with tuning down. Um uh, I, my my comment was um, more facetious than anything. Um, <laughs> you cheeky bugger! <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just being horrible. But, yeah. uh, if if tuning down works for you, tune down. Uh, John Fogarty tunes down a tone, a whole tone, yeah. On on some stuff, it just sounds fantastic. Leo Kotke, his low string on his his twelve string is a C. I believe. Yeah, wow. Leo Cocky's low string is a C, I think. Uh, Lead Belly used low tunings. If a low tuning works for you, then then use it. Or any tuning works for you. We 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 have this current tuning of E A D G B E, but that's not that's not the correct tuning. It's just a tuning. It might be different in a hundred years. Sure, sure. So you said that you had some open tunings going. Um, yeah. It's a great way to open up some different ideas, isn't it? Like because your fingers, you learn in standard tuning what it's going to yeah. sound like before you even go there. But yeah, I find with open tuning, it's like, hello, that's a bit of a welcome surprise. Do you find yeah, um, open stores for you? Yes, I do, and I strongly suggest that if you're interested in open tuning. Get on the web and look at the tunings that Joni Mitchell used. Aha. Uh -huh. Now, Joni is, I don't know if you know, but she's one of my idols. Um, and she at one stage was using 30 tunings, and they're incredible. Wow. Just Because she just tunes to whatever it is that she hears in her head. Yep. And her tunings are really something. So I'd strongly suggest that if you're interested in alternative tunings that you check out Joni Mitchell's stuff. I might have to. How do you go for finger picking, mate? That's something that's really not my thing. And I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible. Yeah. yeah. You know, the strangest thing is for me, I cannot, whoops, I just hit the wrong button there. Um, <laughs> I cannot finger pick unless I'm holding a pick in my hand and I disable, and and I disable and my finger and do yeah. the claw. My, yeah. my first big guitar idol was Mark Knopfler, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays like that. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I do a similar thing, but I disable yeah. the pick because live I'm not going to be putting it down. The yeah. only time that I personally have to play finger picking and nail it is on stage because it's not something yeah. I do around home. So I've adapted to that. I've seen other guys like that, Brian Setzer as well. Yeah. Yeah. So finger picking is not something you've ever spent time doing? Oh, I have spent time doing it. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a stage where in my blues band for about two years I didn't use a pick at all. Really? And I yeah, and I got really quite good at it. Mm. But my career 
such as it is, has been largely based on going and getting that sound with a pick. Yep. So I haven't spent as much time finger picking as maybe I'd like to. Uh, I can do it if required, but I'm I'm not great at it. I'm I'm not Leo Kotke. Sure. Speaking of picks, how heavy a pick do you use? And do you have a preference over the years and materials or anything like that? Uh, it depends on the string gauge. Yeah. So, um, look, I've currently got a pick that says Bob Spencer on it. Um, and that appears to be about 1.5 mil. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds pretty good with this week's string gauge. Yeah. Uh, and I've got another one that this says 88, and I use that for acoustic guitar. Because I don't, I I want acoustic guitar to be, um, um, I want the sound to float more. Sure. When I when I strum, I don't want it poking out. Yep. So somewhere around one mil. Um, I also have picks. I have a whole lot of different picks, and I just use them as I feel like. Um, I have some. Some chicken picks. Yes, I've got chicken picks. I've got chicken picks. They gave me a, a whole bunch, and they're great. I don't oh, know about I the bought, shapes of them. I bought mine, um, but that's okay. Uh, they're not cheap, I are have, they? No, I have a bunch of those. I have yep. some triangular ones, and um, oh, there's a battery in here. Oh. Um, the reason I stopped using them was because I put marks in my beautiful Les guitar. Oh, really? And, yeah, and I freaked out, so I stopped using them. And uh, you've just reminded me that I actually kind of like them. So, if I'm if I'm ever required to do anything fast, then I use a heavier pick. Yes, yes. So the, the faster you need to do something, and I'm not a fast player, as you know, but the faster I need to do something, the heavier the pick, yep. because I don't want the pick wasting time moving around. Mm-hmm. That's just a general rule. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do nick nicks uh, with a like a a sixty, a point six. You know, you you just couldn't do it. Yeah. So fast means heavier. Which shape, when it came to the uh, chicken picks, was your preference, mate? Um, Pointy I, triangular. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And which size of that? Because there, there's two strengths. Two point seven. Okay, I got a two point one in my hand right there, and I had the two point seven. Uh, what else? They have are I the got? one pick that I've come across that doesn't wear out and lose its shape, and sounds smooth. Yeah, yeah. And I used to use. Do you know what vegan picks are? Vegan picks. W e g e n. They're the picks that uh, the gypsy players were using. Okay. And they're they're five millimeters thick. Yep. And uh, they feel fantastic yep. however all the no- whenever you play a note it chirps ah yes the chirp and yeah and the chirp really bothers me so i was a brian may impersonator for about five years mate oh you told me i remember that yeah, yeah. yeah. so i had to learn to play with a coin yeah. and that is such a big part of brian's sound is the yeah. fact that when that metal touches the metal, there's a chirp. Yeah. And that serrated yeah. edge. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, the Australian five-cent piece is the closest thing to the old sixpence that he used to use. I've got right. a 
Brian May pick right there that somebody got me for my birthday a few years ago. He has them minted specifically. That's great. Yeah. Um, Double-sided. I was yeah. so, so saddened to hear that he had a heart attack the other day. I'm not sure if you heard. No, I didn't. Yeah, he had a mild heart attack the other day, mate. I think oh. I saw the, the last ever Queen live yeah. show recently. Oh. Um, just talking to, the, to his tech before the show and stuff. Um, yeah. Those guys are so tired. You know, they're getting mm. on and they're tired. Yeah, they're, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the chicken pick is, I can get used to the big triangle. And that's, yeah. you said 2.7. That's a 2.7 there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a 2.1. Um, when I went to Nam a couple of years ago, I was walking yeah. along and I'm not sure if you've ever been to Nam. Um, it's, no. It's interesting because there's, it's open to the public on, on the Saturday and a Sunday, but the... Mm the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday leading up to it, you're walking around, it's just all your idols. It's just yeah. crazy. And yeah. I was walking along and I saw this guy and I just went, Andy James, who's like a really well known on Instagram. And he's one of the, the fastest clean guys, clean, okay. clean pickers. Not that that's my yeah. thing, but every now and then you see somebody and you go, well, okay, that's, that's impressive. And I yeah. said to him, um, mate, you, you are the fastest, most cleanest picker I've ever heard in my life and he sort of looked at me put his hand in his pocket and said I've got a secret English guy uh -huh. and he pulled out this pick which I have here and I've actually uh -huh. worn the um, the markings off i got to hide right. my face or else it doesn't autofocus uh, and that got me onto the heavy pick I tried using that right. for a while uh -huh. and now I cannot use anything that has any flex in it because mm. it feels like I'm trying to write with a rubber pen does, yeah. does that make sense to you? So that it does and Put me years ago, a, the heavier pick. Years ago, when I did the uh, uh, the machine head album, uh, machine head album, yeah. Uh, in order to play Richie's Richie Blackmore's parts as respectfully as I could, mm -hmm. I used a very small, very heavy pick. Yeah. There's no rhythm playing. Yep. There's no none of that. Yep. It's just all. And that was a big part of being able to play that material. I couldn't play the solo in um, Highway Star yep. with a pick that had any flex in it. Mm -hmm. To do those parts, I had to have a heavy pick yep. or a heavy small pick yep. or I, stiff. I should say a stiff yeah, heavy. Yeah, sure. A stiff heavy pick. Because you know mm -hmm. what? There is thinner picks that are quite stiff. And my mm -hmm. friend Sammy Bowler, who's a awesome young guitar player out of Detroit, Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to be co-hosting the interview with Steve Stevens in a couple of days. If anybody's yeah. out there and has interest, Steve's going yeah. to be on. Um, he gave me a packet of his picks, and I thought I'd have one in here. And I've been having real trouble, man. Those The ones that I said I got from this Andy James guy, I got similar from Jim Dunlop, and they just don't hold their shape. After... Yeah a few hours of playing, it's round. I, I, I think I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah, but he, uh, I know the, I know the Dunlop ones. Yep. They move. Is that the ones where they, they start off, they start off like that. And then after a couple of hours, they look like this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you, I, you don't I know which that. way it's supposed to be held anymore. Yeah. So I've got that. a, um, I got some, I went and bought some John Petrucci picks here. Uh, yeah. And that one's held its shape. I but, know those ones. But yeah. I'll wear through that, and then all of a sudden I have no point left. So those chicken picks, um, 
yeah, I could I could smash those forever, and they have not worn out. The yep. the reason I haven't adapted to those or switched to those full time is just that shape. If I get used to that, I'm scared yeah. that if I'm don't have one and someone hands me a normal pick, that I'm not going to be able to play. <laughs> No, but don't that, be the, afraid. The, don't uh, be the afraid, Rick. That. Don't be afraid. It's, make the change. Rick, it's not. It's not about the pick, Rick. Yeah, sure. I'm making excuses, aren't I? I don't know if people You're can fine. see the the bevel on that. That just glides, man. Yeah. So I'm not what it, sure what it is. I'm I'm going to reach out to them and see if they want to come on and have a bit of a chat. I use that on the rose tattoo album. The, the chicken picks. The chicken picks. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was um. You've reminded me. I've forgotten about them. I'll, I'll leave it here on my, on the desk. Maybe I'll use those later. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned those because that is, well, when I went to Germany, they actually sponsored the event there, and uh -huh. I went to do something, and I said to some to, to Henning who was running it all, dude, I, I, I forgot to bring enough picks, and I didn't bring uh -huh. any today. And he goes, you got all these chicken picks, and I was like, man, the shape of those. Duh. But uh -huh. then you know, once you get used to it, it's quite comfortable yeah, right. yeah. Uh, very, yeah. yeah but you are right it, it, it can't be an excuse i was playing with a fucking coin you know yeah, yeah. it's funny we the last show i did with that particular group um uh, we played with ice house at the toowoomba carnival of flowers huge big open out, outdoor thing and we were told not to try and meet either that he's a very private guy and i respected mm -hmm. that but it turns out he was a huge brian may fan and he found me and mm -hmm. he actually said to me you were using the coins, weren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, I know, because they were all over the stage because I, I would all drop right. them quite often, so I'd have them strategically yeah. placed. And all he right. said when they were doing their set that he uh, was nudging the boys and pointing at the coins. They didn't know what he was talking about, but that was, right. yeah, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely gold. But uh, it's all about that chirp, that chirp yeah. that you said. Yeah. Well, mm. yeah, well, sometimes it gets in the way and sometimes it's beneficial. Just depends on the material. Yeah. Absolutely. Bob, you know, it's, it, we've hit the two-hour mark, mate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm happy to keep talking if you are. If we, anybody has any questions for, for Bob, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> it's been very relaxed, mate. You, you, as I've I mentioned to you, I'm, I am pretty new to this, and mm. it wasn't until halfway into an interview I did last week with um, – my friends Dave Friedman and Mark Uzanski from Tone Talk. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It's an internet YouTube show. Love no. it. They get all the all the guests on. And I thought, oh, send me, send me a link I will, later. I will. Yeah, they got some great right. guests, and they just sit there and just mm. talk. And some of their episodes go for three, four hours. And mm. it was halfway into that that I ran out of prepared questions, I guess. And then I mm. realized, man, it's just a couple of people hanging out. And if there's disasters like when we started here and I didn't have the cans on, mm. people will let you know. You fix that and you keep going and there's no awkwardness. And, mm. um, yeah, so I've just found comfortable. And so I do thank mm. you for coming on at such an early stage. Right. It's, it's been great. And That's um, fine, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Any questions there? What brand of strings does Bob prefer? Oh, my God. There's a whole okay. other topic there. Yeah, there's Can another I, half hour. Right. Go. All right. I'm now using pure nickel strings. Okay. Not nickel compound yeah. strings. The reason I'm using, this is not answering the question yet, but it's getting to it. The reason I'm using pure nickel strings is because I find the fundamental note 
a little bit stronger and the, the wound strings are also less bright. So pure nickel strings, um, I, I've used the Ernie Ball pure nickel strings. I get them in my gauges, but and the Ernie Balls were really good. But a few months ago, I just happened to contact Pyramid uh, because I was going to be in Germany and I thought maybe, you know, I was trying to get some strings delivered to the rehearsal studio. Anyway, turns out I've formed a little relationship with Pyramid. I pay for my strings, by the way. And I've been using Pyramid Pure Nickel Strings mm -hmm. for, what is it, three or four months now. And I'm very happy with them. They're, they're warmer, they're not loud, and they're not bright. Mm. So if you want a loud, bright string, do not use pure nickel strings. Mm. Keep using GHS or something like that. So that's the reason um, I'm now using pure nickel strings. They're warmer, they're not loud. Which brings me to the issue I have is with the plain strings being too bright. So, on all my guitars now, I have ebony. Ebony boards? No, oh, oh. ebony for the ebony for the plain strings. Oh wow! I've I've modified every guitar I have. Wow! <laughs> and I have ebony. on the plain strings. That is incredible. Okay. Now, I like it this week because it takes the zing out of the plain strings. And I always find that ping a little bit too much. Uh-huh. Ask me again in six months. <laughs> Bob, but, the, the funny thing is that you, you mentioned pyramid. When I said I was, I switched to eights. I, I only took them off because I wore them out. They were pyramids, and yeah, yeah the, the pure nickels. So, so I, there's something about that tone. Uh, I find it very. Um, it's almost soothing. It, it doesn't have a lot of really high harmonic content. It's very much about the fundamental note and a little bit in in the way of harmonics, but it's pretty much the fundamental note and it's quite warm but there I, again I, I i repeat if if you'd like strings that are loud and bright don't use pure nickel you'll just be wasting your money mm -hmm. but i i actually don't want them loud and bright so they work for me yep i've also experimented with flat wounds by the way yeah and how was that for you I look. I really like the flat wounds. However, by comparison, the plain strings are just over the top right. So that's the thing. We've got we have three wound and three plain strings normally. Yep. So getting a balance, I find interesting. Yep, mate. Um, you, you mentioned like they're a German company and um, yep. roast to tattoo. Are they they're pretty big in Germany, are they? Because I bring that up, I, I talk to a lot of guys yeah. from from the companies, and yeah. a mention of Rose Tattoo, they all nod their head and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, we know, we know them." Oh yeah, yeah. The um, the the metal the is strong in Germany. The metal is she, the metal she is strong. Um, 
well, the music she is strong. That's a whole. That's another episode, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, they they know Rose Tattoo, and the bloke that I'm dealing with had no idea who the Angels were, mm-hmm. uh, but he definitely knew Rose Tattoo. Yep. Um, and they've been, apart from the, the COVID nineteen issues, uh, which have affected everybody, um, they've been great to deal with. Um, yeah, I really like them. I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting everybody should use pyramid strings. I like them. Yep. But if you're after something that's a bit warmer and fatter, uh, uh, maybe pyramidal strings are something to try. Yep. And I, they possibly feel a little bit looser, but I'm not sure. Sure. It is really hard to, to A-B things, isn't it? Because you've got to write off a set of strings to put them on, of, bang, bang. So I guess it does help to have a company behind you that can help you with those kinds of things. Well, as I said, I pay for them. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't ask for things for yeah. free. Yeah. Um, I pay for the strings, but uh, but you still go, well, there's a set of strings I've just wasted, you know. Yeah. And it's it's also time. So I've got a gauge now which I, I'm happy with at home. Yeah which is 9, 12, is it? 9, 12, 16, 24, 36, 48. 9, 12, 16. Cool, okay, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, which is good at home. But after two minutes on stage, I might think that this is the worst gauge ever invented. So, and, and, you know, I've, I've got to be, I need to accept that, that what I what I think and what I feel is in flux. It's not real. It's not um, stuck. It's it's all transient. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's kind of fun and infuriating. Yeah, it's both of those things. But but I accept that about myself. I I really like this gauge at home, and I've been doing a little bit of recording at home i think they sound really good uh and they feel really good but you know as i say 30 seconds into playing bad boy for love and i might think oh god this was a mistake it's a different story in the heat of the battle isn't it some things that you're comfortable with at home just don't very much yeah so one thing i've been doing since i left the angels is to be much more conscious of of uh, the effort that I put into playing. Because with the Angels, I was just bashing the shit out of the guitar. That's how I ended up with that gauge, 12 to 66. I was just belting. The Angels wasn't 12 to 66. The Angels was 11 to 58 or 60 or something. Okay. But it was after that. Anyway, point being that I was putting way too much effort into playing. Yeah. So, so I just had a question there, your thoughts on coded strings like Elixir. I hate them. You hate them? Oh, I think they're awful. Yeah. However, if they work for you, buy 12 sets of them. Well, but I don't, I don't like them. They feel really weird to me. Um, I, I, I just do not the way they like the way they feel. And I, I'm not interested in strings that last six months i i don't care i mean i don't look i i'm not a millionaire but my my focus is not how long do these strings last 
as you can see from my guitars, they all stay in soft cases. Mm -hmm. And that's primarily so the strings will last a little bit longer, yep. hopefully. So I don't, I don't like coated strings. I particularly do not like uh, elixirs on acoustic guitar. Uh, I think they just sound and feel terrible. So there's different, they have different coatings, and I've heard yeah. people talking about them uh, shedding and almost like a snake shedding its skin. I've never had that, so perhaps the ones I've tried haven't had that. But I've never, I've never experienced that, um, yep. and... You know, this is one of those friendly arguments you have with people. Yeah, yeah. I have fr friends who are very good guitar players who really like coated strings, and that's great. I, I would never try and convince them otherwise. Mm -hmm. But for me, they don't, they don't work. Mate, just a, a random thought popped into my head as you were talking then, just talking about the uh -huh. angels. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure if I'm remembering correctly or not. But somebody told me about Doc Neeson mm -hmm. that on tour he would always mm -hmm. orientate his bed so that his head faced north or something. Does that ring any bells, or is that? Yes, he used to request a bed that was positioned in such a way that the sun came in in the morning on his left hand side. Wow! And I totally get that, you know, because I will sometimes wake up in the middle of the night. And forget where I live. I know that sounds really stupid, and I'll run through in my head all the different places that I've lived and be thinking, where the fuck am I? Oh, and then that penny drops, and it's just the weirdest thing. So I, I totally get that on tour. You'd, you'd want that. The sun on the left so that he could write lyrics in the morning. Okay, so I'm thinking it was for something else, just for orientation, but so he could write. It was so he could write lyrics. The Odd thing being that he never presented us with any lyrics. Oh, okay. But, you know, apparently there are lyric books somewhere, but yeah. um, we never got to see them. Okay. Yeah, right. Mate, who would you like to play with that you've never played with? Um, it's a bit of a loaded question, isn't it? Oh, I'd, I'd, um, I'd love to play with Jim Magini. Cool. From the Oils. Um, yeah, I think the guy's a genius. Um, uh, I once played with Rob Hurst, and yep. that was a lot of fun. That was really good fun. I that bet. was great. Um, players. You know, I, I always thought I'd love to play guitar for Paul Rogers. Of course. Because of that, because of that voice. Yep. Um, I'd love to play with Broderick Smith. Uh, he's my favourite singer. Yep. Um, God, man, the list goes on. The list goes on, doesn't it? It's funny you, you mentioned the, the oils um, and wanting to play with, with those guys. Uh, we had the Commonwealth Games up here on the Gold Coast uh, yeah. was a year or two years ago now. And I scored a very cushy job standing around, getting paid to do absolutely nothing. Uh -huh. um, as of the artists, we were rocking up to the main stage. and I just had to show them how to get to the stage from where the... the the, the tour bus dropped them off. Yeah. Um, but I had a access all areas pass. Um, yeah. And the drop-off point where you'd have to drive to before they drive you into it, I went back to my car one afternoon and I heard this band rehearsing in this Police Citizens Youth Club. Uh -huh. And I thought, oh, hello, who's in there? And I sort of stuck my head in to have a look through the, through the glass. Yeah. 
And mm. I went, oh, fuck me dead. That's Rob Hurst, a couple of meters from me, jamming. And I looked uh, around, and it was the uh, other two guitar players from Midnight Oil, uh, and the bass player from the Violent Femmes, yes. and dude from the brass section of Hunters and Collectors. And I thought, yeah. this is, what do they call themselves? The, the Wave or something like that? The surf guitar band they have? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you said Wave, I had it in my head. Oh, is it? sorry to, th to throw you off then. Oh, Wave, Cool. It'll come to us. Uh, somebody, oh. somebody might just let us know in the in the comments if you do know. Yeah. But I'm thinking, oh my god! And then I thought, I've got an all access pass right here, and I've just walked in like I was supposed to be there. Uh, sat down, and I was quite literally just a couple of meters from them. I, uh, luckily, a good friend of mine um, does a lot of teching for for bigger bigger bands around the, the place. The, the break, break, the break. You got it. Uh, and I. I saw Tony and I sort of walked in and sat down and gave him a wink. You know, I think he was over near the monitors or something. And, and he's like, you're uh, right, mate, you're right. Uh, Sometimes if you just pretend that you're supposed to be there and, and, yeah, you, yeah, and you're cool. Yeah, it works. Totally. Yeah. totally. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, that was great to actually sit in front of them and listen to that. They, they were rehearsing for the big stage. And yeah, that you've got to be in the room with Rob Hurst to, to get it, man. Whoa. Yeah. Amazing. It's really Really fun to play. Fun yeah. to play with. Yeah. I've been yeah. fortunate. I've played with some great drummers, and you know that I have a thing about drummers. Me too. So the drummer has to be good, otherwise the band is not good. Yep. So, yeah, drummers. Uh, I, I wanted to play with Ted McKenna from the Sensational Alex Harvey Band, but I never got to know him, and he passed away. Uh, he's one of my favourite drummers. Um I would love to play with Ian Pace. Mm. Um, uh, drummers. You know, I, mostly I just want to listen to people, though. You know? Absolutely. Mm. But, you know, you are right. It's all about your drummer. If your drummer's yeah. no good, the, the rest of the band is not going to be on, no matter what you do. No, I've, I've, I've done some things over the years where the drummer has been less than great and you know, the results have been acceptable but uh i won't mention names yeah. uh but when i think about those projects i think oh they just you know they just didn't measure up unfortunately yeah it's all about drums i'm gonna have to go for a bio break you do that mate so you do that gonna, you're coming I, back to talk I, some more because uh, i'll keep talking I, to the people while you do that i think i'm I've got to walk to the shops. I'm going to have to walk to the shops. Okay. I'm sorry. You, I'm you're right, mate. No, that's no, mate. It's. It, I'd love to have you back on again. I, um, I've, I've got to. I've got to take the 45 kilo dog for her walk. Yeah, you're right, mate. You're right. It's. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, mate. Um, thank and you. I thank you again for your time, um, folks. Who wants to let us know if you want to um, see Bob back? You know, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe and all that. I fucking hate saying all that shit, but you know you got to do it. I actually put it on a, a bit of a thing that i didn't hit but if i hit a button no i have to lean over to do it to come across because i hate saying all that crap but um yeah please do that helps the channel a lot um it'll help me keep a roof over my head while this whole covid thing goes down so please subscribe yeah. and all that kind of stuff and like and all that stuff that you're supposed to say so bob thank you so much i'm gonna hit the button again to get our little applause Yay! thank you thank and you also Rick, while while we're in um, in 
uh, kind of lockdown. I'm also doing Skype teaching if anyone's interested. Cool. That's, so they, how, do, how do people get you? They can contact me either through my website, bobspencer.com.au, or leave a message through Facebook. Awesome. Because you are very cool. active on uh, your Bob Spencer fan page as well as Bob Spencer Music, I've noticed. So reach out oh, to Bob. I, I occasionally throw a, a bomb and then back off, yeah. You do it so politely and so eloquently. It's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob, thanks again, mate. I'm going to hit the button. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Rick. Ciao, buddy.